Are we good this morning, Grace? Okay, all right, little delayed, little delayed, but it's, it's all good. Okay, getting back in the swing of things, school has started back up, appreciate it, man, thank you. And, uh, you know, again, glad that you guys are here. Um, this morning, and Blaine kind of already mentioned this, but we're back in our Redacted series. And uh, j- just to start off with this, um, this, I think you guys get this. This has been a little bit of a complicated series, okay? We, we've talked about some pretty hot-button issues in our culture. And uh, just want to start with this. The lesson today, it's, it's going to be the same, okay? So if you were thinking, oh, man, the last week redacted series, we're going to take it easy. AJ's probably going to take it easy on us. And forget that. Because we're talking about absolute truth, okay? And so uh, it's, it's going to be challenging, but it's going to be good stuff, all right? Um, let, let me just ask you guys this. How many of you guys are... You're like your water fans. Like summertime, it's hot out. You want to be in a pool or at the lake. Just raise your hand. Okay, that's right. Because we're normal, right? That's, that's, that's how God made us, right? We enjoy things like that when it's 95 degrees out, 90% humidity. We want to be in the water. Um, now, I'm a water fan. Uh, I'll say this, okay? As long as I'm, I'm good with being in the water, okay, and at the water park and stuff, as long as there's not like a million people around me and they're bumping into me wet and stuff, I don't like that. I don't know, like, I ain't about going to Cedar Shores or whatever that is, okay? Just let me get in the pool in the backyard. I'm good to go by myself with my family, all right? But I love the water. I think part of that is this, is, like, I grew up, um, and my grandma, my grandma Lewis, she is, like, an avid, just, like, super active person, okay? And uh, she always, as, as a kid, she'd always take us to the Clyde pool and Clyde, you know, I'd played sports and stuff. And so we would go down there, my grandma would take us there, and we'd, we'd get in the pool, like, four or five times a week. And I remember my baseball buddies would be there from the, you know, baseball team or my football buddies would be there from the football team. We'd, we'd be hanging out, just having a good time swimming, and then lunchtime would hit, okay? Lunchtime would hit, get out, get something to eat, and I was there with grandma, okay? They were there without their parents, without their grandparents, and everyone would eat and rush right back in the pool. But here's the deal with my grandma. She always had a few rules when we went swimming, okay? One of them drove me nuts this day. You guys are laughing because you already know what it is. Yeah. One of them was you couldn't get in the water for like an hour. It's like after you ate because you could cramp or something like that, which I'm like, okay, well, let me just sit in the kiddie pool. I'm not, nothing's going to happen there. So anyways, but uh, so that was one of the rules. And I absolutely like hate it. And just think about it. Just, let's paint a picture here. You're there with your friends and you're sitting on the beach chair. All your buddies, they're out there playing water polo, water basketball, throwing the ball around. And what are you doing? You're sitting there for an hour. You know, it's terrible, right? You want to be in the water. Now, this last week, I found something. I found something really insightful to that, okay? It was an article this last week put out by a scientific study by UC Health. It was titled this, The 10 Biggest Myths That You Heard From Your Parents or Grandparents. <laughs> yep, yep, you guys know where this is going. And number two, anybody want to take a guess what it was? Yeah, yeah, you guys know what it was, right? Number two was, wait an hour after eating before you go swimming to prevent cramping. It's a myth, right? It's not true. So all the parents that still do that out there, all the grandparents that still do that, Stop doing it, all right? It's a myth. It's not true. Okay, so many other ones, and, and you guys, we've all heard these, but I'm just going to give them to you because I think they're pretty funny. All right, you swallow your gum. <laughs> It'll stay in your stomach for up to seven years. That's a lie. That's not true. 
all right? Uh, carrots improve your eyesight. That actually, we talked about that in the office, and it got a little heated, a little debated here, but that is not true, all right? Cracking your knuckles gives you arthritis, not true. Sitting too close to TV can make you go blind. I mean, all these different, there's, there's a whole bunch of them. Those are just some of the more popular ones, but all of them are just myths. Okay, now, see, the truth that you believe, it affects what you do. Another way you could say it is this. What you believe to be true affects what you do. See, uh, in, this, in our, our redacted series, we've dug into some challenging topics. I mean, you go back to week one, right, in this, our, our, first, our first message in this series. We talked about, uh, you know, if you believe that your identity it's in your job, or you believe that it's in your gender and a hobby, or it's you know in being that having that certain wealth status, or it's you know it's in your family, or you go outside of that and you have sex outside of marriage, or I mean you think that above everything else, like you want to pursue the American dream of having the the white picket fence and being this high person in you know Tiffin or whatever, like and you're willing to do whatever you can to get there. The issue that we found out with a lot of these is this, is that, man, we're just believing the wrong truth. We're thinking that that leads to success in our life, and it's just a myth. See, the issue is this, is you don't have a behavior problem, you have a truth problem. See, but the great thing about being here today is this, is like, my goal is not to give you what I have to say on some of these things, it's just to give you what God's word says. It is to talk to you a little bit about what is truth on these things. See, in order to understand absolute universal truth, we must begin by defining truth. And truth, according to the dictionary, it says this. It is conformity to fact or actuality, a statement proven to be or accepted as true. See, some would say that there's no true reality. Some would say there's no such thing as an absolute truth. It's just somebody, maybe how they're raised or their perceptions or their opinions on different matters. And others <clears throat> would argue the total opposite and say, no, there has to be absolute truth. Truth, and, and I'm just going to say this, as Grace Community Church and as a church and followers of God, we have to understand this. Truth is so important. And it's so important in this life, but it's also important really in, in what happens after we die in, in all of eternity. See, I mean, if, if we're off, let's just say this, and this isn't true, okay, obviously, but if, let's say we're off in understanding that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Let's say that we're off on that. Again, just an example, okay, that you can somehow be saved another way. Let's just say that we're off on following Jesus, Jesus alone is our Savior, and that's what gets us to heaven. That's what gives us that forgiven relationship with Jesus. Man, we're going to be messed up, yes, in this life, but think about this. We're also going to be messed up in eternity after this life. Because there's the long-term consequences for believing this. And so something I just want to ask you today is this. Is truth really important? I mean, is truth really important? Is it important in your relationship with God? Is it important with life in general? Then what are you going to do with it? If, if truth really is important, then what do you do with it? You see, I think one of the biggest problems in our culture is that we've been following myths that, that are claimed as true. I mean, just like if you believe that, you know, if you get in the pool within an hour of eating, you're going to get a cramp, Right, you're probably gonna wait, okay? Um, or if you really think that cracking your knuckles leads to arthritis, you probably will stop doing that. See, your behavior, I already said this, but your behavior will always follow your belief. And maybe you're like, hey, AJ, how do I know what I believe to be true? Like, how do I know that? It's really simple. What'd you do this week? 
Like, watch what you're doing. What have you done the past month, the past year? See, the biggest claim in Christianity, one that sets it apart from all these other religions, is, is really what's found in John 14, 6. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here it is, ready? This is, a, this is the greatest truth, right, in Scripture. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through Jesus. Jesus is truth. Another way we could say this is Jesus is really the only way to God. There's, there's no other way. I mean, as, as believers and as followers of God, like this is, this is our truth claim. This is our truth that we hold to. There's no other way. See, this has happened to me before. Um, as, as a pastor, it's always interesting, but as a pastor, uh, I've talked to people here in Tiffin, maybe someone at the gas station or at the checkout line or whatever, and, and I'll invite them to church. And somehow something will come out, that, you know, that's, oh, what do you do for a living? Or they're standing there, and, oh, I'm a pastor, what do you do? And so it's really weird, like, and it's just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a commercial from the, the message for a second, okay? They, they, like, instantly, once they find out you're a pastor, their, like, tone and everything changes and their language changes. Don't be that person, right? We're normal people, all right? We're just normal people that mess up every day, all right? So d- don't be that person. Just talk normal to us, all right? We appreciate that. Uh, but uh, as I was talking to this one guy, uh, you know, I, I invited him to church. I said, well, you know, do you have a church you go to? He said, no, I don't. And, and he went on to tell me about his, really, his faith. And he ended, really, his portion of talking with this. And I think it's what so many people believe in our culture. And, it, and he said this. As long as, you know, as long as, you know, I or we do the best that we can, um, you know, we love others, we help others, Right? We're all worshiping the same God anyway, so we're going to get to heaven. See, it's not true. See, our culture wants to redact the idea that Jesus is the only way to heaven. And they want to redact the idea that the Bible is 100% the truth from God. Now, if what our culture, if, it, if, if what it, it believes really is true, if there are many ways that lead to God, and we all are worshiping the same God, whether it's Muhammad or the true living God or, you know, we're trying to be a good person to get to that. Like, if really many roads lead to heaven, then what do we do with Jesus as Christians? Because, I mean, we have a problem now because in John 14, 6, Jesus just lied if that's the case. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're going, yeah, all, all roads do lead to heaven, AJ. I'm a good person. I'll get there eventually. I don't need to just believe in Jesus. Anybody can go to heaven just, be, just by believing whatever they want. Anyone can go to heaven, but they have to go through the door, which is Jesus Christ. So today we're going to be looking at knowing truth, and then what do we do with that truth once we know it. So first, really, know the truth. Uh, apparently, knowing the truth has been an issue since Thousands of years. I mean, go back to the first century church, and we're going to look at one today that's found in 2 Timothy 2, verses 14 to 26. And this guy named Paul who wrote a whole bunch of chapters, a whole bunch of books in the New Testament, uh, he, he writes a letter. And I love how he starts it out, but he writes this to Timothy, this pastor. But he says this, in the very beginning, first, uh, verse number 14, he says this, Remind them of these things and charge them before God. Okay, we could read it like this. I think a lot of times we just we read the Bible and think, okay, this is for them. No, this is for us. Okay, another way that we could read this is this. Remind Grace Community Church of these things and charge them 
See, sometimes I think we get caught in the habit of like, every time we come to church, like, we just wanna hear something fresh, wanna hear something new, wanna hear something that's profoundly deep, right, that's never been said before. But it's interesting what Paul says here. He's saying, hold up, hold up. No, remind them. Remind them of the things that we're gonna talk about. Remind them of the truth of Jesus. Remind them about the most important thing. And I mean, if you look throughout the New Testament, you see Peter and Paul, they say this multiple times. They're trying to call people back, call believers back to reminding who they are in Christ. I mean, reminding them what God has done for them, reminding them where God has brought them from. And so today, man, we need to be reminded of the truth. We're not gonna hear, if you're a Christian and you're here to hear something fresh and you're here to hear something new this morning, you're not gonna hear it. You're gonna be reminded of the truth of God. And there's nothing wrong with that. See, Timothy, he's this leader in the church of Ephesus. He's pastoring there. And Paul, he gives these warnings, these reminders really to him that, that, you know, again, he'll share with the people. And the only logical next explanation is this, is there were some people that were in the church of Ephesus, which he's pastoring, Timothy's pastoring, that were off. I mean, they were not following, pursuing truth and knowing truth. He continues on, 2 Timothy 2, verse 15 18. He says this, Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech, since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And their teaching will spread like, check this out, gangrene. Hymenius and Philetus are among them. We'll come back to those guys in a little bit. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place and are ruining the faith of some. See, Paul, and he's challenging the church to stand firm on what? What's the one thing he's getting them that he wants them to understand to stand firm on? Truth. Yes, truth. He doesn't want them to depart from it like these two men. We'll talk about Hymenius and Philetus. Don't name your kids that, okay? Just throwing that out there, all right? All right he, he's, he's challenged them. Do not depart from it like these guys. Like, they've, they've left the truth. Like, what the Bible has taught, like, they've completely left it. They've left it behind, they left the truth. They departed from it. It's just the gospel story. It's the most important message in all of history that we have. It's the message of Jesus coming to messed up, broken people and, and saving us. You see, once we abandon the truth, man, we have abandoned the message of hope for our friends, for our families, for our enemies, for everyone in the entire world. Man, we have to follow this truth and continue to know it. See, and when we abandon, it's interesting, we abandon the truth. It's interesting what he says about these men, Hymenius and Philetus. He says that really, them abandoning truth, man, it, it spread like gangrene. I mean, they started teaching some whack, some, some absolutely crazy things, but it's interesting. It all started when they did what? They walked away from truth. They walked away from truth. And then it spread. Uh, recently, I, I, have, I have an old tractor. It's just something I'm pretty proud about. And uh, I was, you know, they're fun to work on or whatever. But over winter, I replaced the transmission fluid in it out in my garage. And uh, long story short, I, I made an absolute mess when I was replacing the hyd like, transmission hydraulic fluid. I missed the funnel. And my daughter was out there. And, like, it got everywhere. It spread all over the middle of our garage. And, and long story short, we ran inside, got rags. And, like, it was really weird. The more and more, like, we wiped that stuff up and threw water down and everything, it just kept spreading and spreading and spreading and just made an absolute huge mess. And it seemed like the more and more we tried to clean it up, it just made a bigger and a bigger and a bigger mess. Um, and eventually we got it cleaned up, but still to this day, there's like a, a massive stain in the middle of our garage. Um, now, I said that to say this, all right? 
Similar to these guys, they created a mess and it just spread like gangrene. It hit the church and it spread to others, causing a mess to clean up. And it was everywhere and it left a stain and it even caused some, if you caught it, it caused some that were in the church and even outside the church to have a, it said, ruined faith. I mean, think about that. I mean, they made decisions that ultimately caused others to have a messed up faith, to be off on their understanding of truth. All because they started to walk away from what was true. See, this point is so important for us to understand. Some say there's no true reality, only perceptions and opinions, and so they can talk about whatever they want. Right? Others, they argue that there, there must be absolute truth. But people who deny absolute truth, they believe everything is relative to something else, and thus there can be no actual objective truth. Denying truth is something that's been around. I mean, think about this. Go back to 2,000 years ago when Jesus was on this earth. I mean, he was truth. Jesus Christ was put on trial. And there were people that were, man, they, they judged him. They were devoted to lies. And they wanted to stop what he was doing. They wanted to stop the truth. Paul, he goes on, he shares, he says that their, their speech, he says it's empty. Why? Because the only thing that can change people's lives now and for all eternity is truth. And the universal truth is this, that we are all sinners and we are in need of God's love and his mercy and his grace that he offered on the cross when he died for our sin. See, if we're guilty of one thing, as Grace Community Church, it should be that we are continuing with the truth of the Bible, continuing with what it teaches, knowing the Bible, man, spending time in the Bible, knowing what truth is. Zach said this uh, in the second week of our series. He said, if we as leaders, as AJ, if, if Blaine, if Zach, if we ever walk away from truth, we ever walk away and say, hey, there's another way to God besides for Jesus, Leave our church, because that is the truth. See, these guys, man, they were leaders. It's interesting. It doesn't tell us a whole lot about them. Hymenius and Philetus, they were leaders in the church. I mean, at one point, they were teaching classes. I mean, at one point, they were leading small groups. I mean, at one point, maybe even speaking on a Sunday morning. I don't know. Right? But they were leaders in the church. We know that. But when they left truth, it led to useless teaching led to ruined lives and faith, produced godlessness, and not just them, but also other people. And then it continued to spread even more, reaching people outside the church, and eventually led them to be false teachers about the future bodily resurrection. And just to give you a little insight, what that was was this. They were teaching essentially that once you gave your life to Jesus, now you can just live whatever way you wanted. Pray your prayer, ask Christ to come to your heart, and then just live however you wanted to which we know this, that's, that's not what we should do as believers, as Christians, right? Our life, when we come face-to-face -face with Jesus, when we, we see our sin and we give our life to Jesus, our life is drastically changed from then on out. See, Paul says it was really just a slow fade. A step here, a step there, a step here and there, until finally they're teaching false doctrine. And as the church, now more than ever, we have to stand for truth. We cannot cave to our culture's idea that many ways lead to Jesus. It's totally opposite the message of Jesus, the message of God. I mean, we have, we have no excuse to not know the truth either. As Americans, I mean, literally, you don't have a Bible. I mean, you have a, you got a smartphone. You can literally put the Bible app on your phone for free. 
If you don't have a Bible, by the way, and you want one, we have them completely free out the info center. Grab them before you leave. We'll give them to you. I mean, we have no reason to not know the truth. See, some churches, they teach that baptism is necessary for salvation. Some churches teach uh, that, you know, follow Muhammad. Some churches teach that to be saved, you have to take and and believe in the doctrine of, uh, of the sacraments, and those things actually save you, and they wash away your sins. But the problem is this. That's not found in the Bible. What is found in the Bible is Romans 10, 9. It says this, confess with the mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's truth. That's, that's what the scripture says. And if you're a worker of God, I mean, your tool, it is the truth. It is the Bible. I mean, if you're a soldier of God, right, which the Bible compares to that in uh, Ephesians 6, right, if you are, I mean, the the scripture is your sword of truth. I mean, we have to use that. We have to understand it. It's interesting. In Ephesians 6, with the armor of God, as believers, the only offensive weapon that we see is the sword. See, our growth and our knowledge of God's word, they're going to be in alignment. Right? You cannot be a mature follower of Jesus and totally neglect the word. Right? It should be the more and more of the time that we spend in the word that we grow in a maturing relationship with Jesus. See, truth, it is objective not relative. Truth that offends. See, there's always going to be truths that some don't like. And there's always going to be people that are offended by, by, by truth. I mean, we said this before here at Grace. I think Zach has said it. The Bible, it offends everyone, every culture, because here's the deal. The Bible isn't from the culture. Our, the Bible is outside the culture. The Bible is from God. It's, it's his word to mankind. People say you can't know truth, especially in matters of faith and religion. So, man, if you, if you claim that this religious truth is right or this one's wrong, then you're just narrow-minded, right? I mean, and we've heard that before. But isn't all truth narrow? I mean, isn't it all narrow? Is a math teacher narrow-minded for holding the belief that two plus two is four? I mean, four is narrow. That's, that's the answer. I mean, people that are offended saying, like, it, it's arrogant to claim someone's right or to claim someone's wrong, Although they're quick to call us out for believing in absolute truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Back to the math analogy. Is it arrogant for a math teacher to insist only one answer is right? No. See, Grace Community Church, man, we have the truth. Man, let's, let's take it and let's live it out. And, and just, just a few more things here, more problems with rejecting, really, uh, with rejecting universal absolute truth is, man, it erases objective moral values. It's illogical. I mean, the statement, truth is relative, is a self-refuting statement. To say truth is relative is to make a truth statement in and of itself. But if truth really is relative, then we can't trust that statement to be true all the time in all things. A good question maybe to ask someone uh, that, you know, is challenging, on the, challenging us and like, hey, just ask them, hey, uh, are, are you absolutely sure that what you believe is right? Because if you do, then we got a problem. See, relative statements are different than true statements. Christianity says this. Christianity is different, right? Christianity says this. Hey, take the emotion out of it. Let's just look at what the truth says. Let's just look at what the evidence says. I mean, what does the evidence say? And truth isn't relative. See, but we can know truth. And, and honestly, that, that's a great thing. To know truth is a phenomenal thing, and we need to do that. We need to know what is true. But that's, that's only part of what we're talking about this morning. 
It's great, no truth. But what will you do with that truth when it's presented? Maybe you're here this morning, you're like, wow, this is all, AJ, I did not know this. I thought, man, if I was a good person, man, when I died, I thought I'd go to heaven. All right, so you teach him that, like, Jesus is the only way to heaven and, and believing that I'm a sinner and trusting Jesus alone to save me, like, whew, that's a lot, that's a lot to know. Like, I, I, I'm, man, that, that's a lot. It's great, you know, what are you gonna do with this truth when it's presented? Christian, like, you're here this morning, you know the truth, what are you doing with the truth? So in Paul, he challenges Timothy, he challenges all of us as Grace Community Church, know it, but then he says, follow truth. He goes on in verse 19 to 21, says this, nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. Now in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument, check this out, set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. And what's God saying by this? Verse 20, he's telling us that those who have put their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone to save them, and that we are set apart. Think about that. We are a, a special vessel. And we, are, we can be useful. I mean, we were made to follow him, not just to follow whatever we think is right, whatever we think is true, or whatever feels right to us. Ephesians 2.10, Paul here reminds us of this. He says, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Um, my, my mother-in-law, she has this, uh, this, um, this, it's like a china cabinet. I don't know if she got it for a wedding. Any ladies have those in your house still, like the china cabinet things? Anyone? Okay, a few of you guys. Okay, all right, good. A handful knows what I'm talking about, all right? Well, she's got one of these, and it's like in a really, I think it's in a really like kind of a bad place. It's like in the living room. And so we'll, we'll go back to Kansas where they live and, uh, you know, how it is. All the cousins get together. They're running around. I remember like we're sitting at the dinner table, and like they run by me. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, it's like what's going to happen here? You know, it's going to knock over the china cabinet. I'm like hearing it clang together and stuff. Anyways, so we were there. It was probably a few years ago. We were visiting the family there, and... Uh, Kinley, my daughter, we're getting ready to eat, and she's like, hey, can I have a plate out of there, Grandma? Or she calls her Nana. I don't know why I said Grandma. I calls her Nana. So, and of course, we're all like, uh, no, you don't eat off the china, you know? That's like, that's like, it's kind of a bad, awkward question. No, we do not. It's locked for a reason, you know? It's got the little key, and you put it on top. Okay. It's locked for a reason, right? We, we don't eat off of that, and you know, and she couldn't get why. She couldn't understand why there's plates there, and they look really cool. Why are we not eating off of them, right? And uh, so anyways, it, I don't think she ever really understood. Maybe she will one day. But, and, and I'm not really sure. Like, you had those china cabinets there. Nobody uses it. It just sits there. And, and maybe if you had, like, I don't know, someone like a king or a queen come over, maybe you would use it then. I, I don't know. But it's going to sit there most of the time and never get used. It's just on display, Right? So what's Paul saying? What's he, what's he saying here? Saying, hey, church, and like that, like you are, you are set apart, you are on display. I mean, you are made to be used by God and God alone. And so let him and him alone use you. I mean, you have a special purpose. I mean, look what the word says in John 17, verse 14 and 17. It says this, I have given 
them your word. The world hated them because they are not of the world, just as I'm of the world. I'm not praying that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm out of the world. Sanctify them, ready for this, by the truth. Your word is truth. How are we set apart? How are, how are believers set apart? How is the church set apart? By the truth. We keep coming back to this. It is by the truth that we're set apart. So what does that look like? Paul answers that, 2 Timothy 2.22. He says this. He says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Pursue faith, pursue love and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Man, stop pursuing temporary things, things that children pursue. Pursue things that last. Pursue righteousness. Pursue love. Pursue faith and peace along with those that call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart and be filled with truth. See, we follow what we want to. We follow what we love. A good example of this is social media. A lot of you guys have Instagram and, and maybe Facebook. And, and if let's just say this. Let's say that you're an artist, right? You're going to follow people like, if that are famous artists. I mean, if you want to be uh, yeah, a successful businessman, you're going to follow successful businesses on Instagram and, and Facebook. If you want to be a phenomenal football player, you're gonna, probably going to follow great football t- teams like the Buckeyes. Oh. That was bad yesterday, right? I mean, you're going to follow what you love. You're going to follow what you want to be. And Paul's just saying this. He's saying, hey, grow up. Man, know the truth and then follow it with your life. And Paul, last, he challenges them to share the truth. Yes, know the truth. Follow the truth as Christians. But then last, he hits on, man, share the truth. This is so important. It says this, but reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. See, in sharing the truth, man, don't, and don't get off the most needful task. See, Paul, he reminds Timothy to not be like these guys that were previously leaders in the church, Hymenius and Philetus. Man, don't, don't be like them. Man, stay on track. Stay on track is the most important thing. It's interesting, uh, the word, the terminology uh, that Paul writes down. He says they got off track and they shared foolish and ignorant disputes. In Greek, that phrase literally means for us, stupid. Okay, they shared stupid things. They were trying to push their agenda. They were fighting with people inside the church. What happened? They got off track on truth, the most important thing. They got off track on the most important message that we as believers have, and that's that God loves us so much that even in our sin, Romans 5, 8, while we're in the act of sinning, Jesus died for us. He came to this earth and died in our place so we could be forgiven and have a relationship with God. Man, don't get off track. Share the truth. See, this should be, honestly, sharing the truth, it's something I, so many of us we struggle with. But honestly, it's something that should be natural to us. If the truth, if that story of Jesus has really changed our lives, it should just be natural. I mean, if it's really transformed and changed and impacted our lives, it should just be natural that we share it with others. Why? Because 
could change someone else's eternity. I think we forget about that sometimes, that simple truth, that the truth of Jesus could change our best friend's eternity that doesn't know God. It could change our family member's eternity that doesn't know God. It could change our coworker's eternity that does not know God. The last verse reminds us, really, of life before Jesus. It says that we were trapped. We were trapped by, by Satan. He had taken a hold of us to do his will. Until what happened? Until we came face to face with the truth and saw our sin and trusted in Jesus. And now life, it's different, or it should be. I mean, we've been forgiven. We have a relationship with the creator God who wants to daily spend time with us. And the only way that our friends and family that are trapped, right? Only way they're going to get out of that. Only way that they're going to escape that. Only way they're going to know truth is by us sharing it. See, I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is this. In the end, now, the only thing that matters in life is this. Truth. And if this is the only thing that matters, what are you going to do with it? I mean, this week, Grace Community Church, you're a Christian. That's awesome. That's great. So how are you going to share the truth this week? Are you going to try to find an opportunity to share it with your family that doesn't know God? Are you going to try to find an opportunity to share it with a friend that doesn't know God or a coworker? What are you going to do with it? That's my challenge. Sure, maybe our culture has been attempting or trying to redact this absolute truth that Jesus is the only way to God. Man, that doesn't change our message. In fact, that should amplify our message even greater. That should help us see the need even greater to get the message out that Jesus is really the only way to God. Let's pray. God, we come before you today. We thank you that, uh, that we have truth. God, thank you that we can know truth. God, thank you that we've seen how we can follow, how we can share truth. Pray, God, that you would help us as believers, as the church, as we go to work, as we go back to our families after this, as we sit down for lunch at a restaurant even. God, maybe you want us to share our faith with the waitress. And I pray that you would help us to see the importance of knowing, following, and then sharing the truth of Jesus with them. God, our culture wants to kick Jesus aside. Our culture wants to say, man, live however you want to, follow whatever you want. All religions point the same way. But God, that's not what you said in John 14, 6. God, there's no other way to you except your son and accepting the gift of what Jesus said on the cross. God, I pray if there's someone here today that's never made the decision to give their life to you, I pray that today they would leave changed. God, they would trust in you and you alone to save them from their sins. We ask this in Christ's name.